Well, good morning. Oh man, I think it must have been the banquet last night. Let's try that again. Good morning. How many went to the banquet? Wow. How many are sleepy from the banquet? How many promised you might fall asleep, but you won't snore? Okay. Yeah. I hope you had a great time at the banquet. My name's Eric Sanders. Like, uh, like I said a moment ago, I pastor the Bible Baptist Church in Everett, Washington. I think the Crockett's are here this morning. They, for decades, went to Bible Baptist Church, so thankful for them. Emily Richter, she's a student here, and she's uh, out of our church, and just so thankful for her and her family. And it's great to be back at West Coast Baptist College. And I truly count it a privilege to speak to you this morning, excited about the opportunity. And I'm thankful for what the college, the impact has had really in my life. Uh, my daughter, she came here. And she graduated from here and serving the Lord, and so thankful for that. Um, and so let's take our Bibles this morning, and let's go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. We're going to read Psalm 42 and into Psalm 43. Psalm 42 into Psalm 43. From what I understand, uh, midterms are coming in about a week or two. Is that right? Yeah. So um, I think this, this message this morning might be a help, because I remember when I was in Bible college, that was way back in the day, you know what I'm saying? And I remember like midterms, I just really struggled in those like two, three weeks around there, frankly, and don't judge me, I was a little homesick. Anybody like that at all? Anybody want to admit it? Yeah, some of you are like, maybe, maybe me, yeah. Um, I was, I went to school, you know, thousands of miles away from my family, and of course, I'm just not that smart, quite frankly, so midterms were a little bit of a struggle for me. Anybody like that as well? Okay, a few of us out there, that's good, yeah. So there was kind of this funk I would go into about mid-semester, most semesters. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe this is where this message is gonna find you this morning, um, but I know this, whether you're kind of there now or it's coming in the future, all of us have to deal with difficult times in our life. And so this message um, really is going to be a help, I hope, to you. But then also, as you're training for ministry, I'm hoping you're going to take notes. And then what you can do is you can use this outline to help and bless others that are going through difficult times as well. Um, I'm just blessed and thankful to get a teach online for the school, and I teach Intro to Biblical Counseling. I um, really enjoy that. Anybody in that class right now, Intro to Biblical Counseling? Okay, wow, nice, nice. Wonderful. Good to see you. I hope I can meet you afterwards and put like a, a, a face to the post that you put online there. So, good. Well, let's take our Bibles. We are in Psalm 42. If you're there, say amen. All right, that was good. Let's stay in reverence to God's Word as I read our main text this morning. I'm going to read Psalm 42 right into Psalm 43. Here the psalmist says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Why? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise his name for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mezer. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet 
The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of mine enemy? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Father, just bless the next few moments that we have together. We want to invite the Spirit of God to work the Word of God into our hearts and to challenge and to change us this morning. Uh, we invite the Spirit to do a work that really only the Spirit can do. Help us now, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It's interesting we talked about ships crossing oceans as we uh, sang the song this morning because my opening illustration has to do with those that sail across the oceans. That's kind of one thing that I've always thought that would be fun, sailing. I would like to go sailing at some point in my life. We live in the Seattle area, lots of water there, the Puget Sound area, lots of opportunity to sail, but I've never gone sailing. But I have watched a lot of documentaries about sailing, so I could, I'm probably a sailor by now, I'm sure, by watching all of the documentaries. What, what's interesting about some of the documentaries I watched as people would cross the Pacific Ocean, they would cross the Atlantic Ocean, is when they would hit the equator, there is an area five degrees north of the equator and five degrees south of the equator, and here's what they call that area. They call that the doldrums. How many have ever heard that term, the doldrums? Well, what that is, it's an area five degrees north, five degrees south of the equator that basically the winds die down and is absolutely still and calm. It's, it's kind of a, a weird mix of jet streams kind of converging together there. But in our world's history, as people would sail across the seas, they would hit this area and they were flying, you know, they were catching jet streams and doing really well, but they'd hit this area and all of a sudden things would just kind of die out. There would be no wind the provisions would begin to run low, the water would run low, um, and all of that, and people would get cabin fever even though they're on a ship, so maybe, maybe that would be ship fever, I'm not exactly sure what they'd call that, but anyways, they would, they would really, really struggle in the middle of that. And so people would sit there, not only for days, for weeks, but they would sit there for months. And they would be there just struggling, 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 just hoping the wind would come along and many sailors lost their life through starvation, scurvy, other things during that time. The doldrums, when it comes to being by the equator there, they had a reputation and it was a pretty bad one. But I believe this, emotionally, 
spiritually, we can kind of hit the, the doldrums, if I could put it that way. You kind of feel stuck. Maybe as you're coming into midterms, or you're hitting mid-semester, you kind of, we call it this way, you kind of feel like you're, you're in a little bit of a funk, you're, you're struggling a bit. And, and those can be, you know, not so significant things. Like, we face a lot of disappointments in life. One of the disappointments I seem to regularly face, and I think I would learn my lesson, is when I'm out on a Sunday afternoon, I get a little hungry, so I pull into the Chick-fil-A parking lot. And guess what? It's not open on Sunday. I don't know why I can't learn this lesson, but time and time again, with just sad disappointment, the tear running down my cheek, I see that Chick-fil-A is closed. Minor struggles, but then there's major ones. You're in Bible college and you hear a grandparent died. You're in Bible college, your parents get the news that they got cancer. Difficult times, and it can send us into those moments of despair. We can have, as the psalmist says here, a disquieted spirit. In college, we can hit that. We, we struggle. We struggle in college. You can feel discouragement in those doldrums. You can experience despondency, disillusionment, depression. And at worst, it will lead some to even think about taking their own life. It feels like you almost can't catch your breath, if you know what I mean, right? It just seems like things are coming at you, and they're coming at you so fast. You, you, you're just trying to keep your neck above water. The reality is this, that we rub shoulders every day with people who are discouraged, desperate, hurting, lonely. Um, we might not even be aware of the dark way or the dark road that they're traveling. And sometimes we notice, but quite frankly, often we, we don't. Maybe we're too busy, which happens. We're preoccupied with other things. Or frankly, we can be overwhelmed ourselves. And to be honest, I think many days we are actually those people, the, the desperate. We, we are the hurting, and, and we are the lonely, and we are the struggling. Through the Bible, um, we see people like this. Now, though the Bible will not use the word depression, it often refers to, to that, that, uh, that feeling with other words. Downcast, brokenhearted, troubled, miserable, despairing, mourning, among other ones. And throughout the word, there are a number a number of followers of God, really influential men and women of the faith who struggled and battled through dark times of hopelessness and despair. I think David, well, a man after God's own heart, he was troubled and he, he battled deep despair. Elijah was discouraged. He was weary. He was afraid. Job suffered through great loss, devastation, physical illness. I mean, it came at him from every direction. Moses, he was grieved over the sin of the people. Jeremiah, that poor guy, he wrestled with great loneliness, feelings of defeat, feelings of insecurity. Am I enough? And, and all of these things that even Jeremiah dealt with. Well, as we come to our text in Psalm 42 and 43, it gives us some solid counsel. Now, it's interesting. Some, some people believe that Psalm 42 and 43 really is, is the two-volume set. And the reason why they, they feel that is because of the phrase that is kind of woven through those two psalms. If you're still with me this morning, say amen. amen. Look at verse number 5. We see the, the, the phrase woven there. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You go down to verse number 11 and we see it again. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? You go to Psalm 43, verse 5, we see it again. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And so we face those times of struggle. The psalmist was being taunted by his enemies in 42, Psalm 42, verse 3 and verse 10. The, the enemies would say, hey, where is your God now? I mean, you're struggling 
you're hurting, your God's not showing up, where is he? So here the psalmist was being taunted by his enemies. Their oppression in verse 9 of Psalm 42 and also Psalm 43 verse number 2 had plunged the psalmist in kind of the, the depths of despair, the, the depression that he faced. The psalmist doesn't stay discouraged though. We see what he does. He kind of grabs himself by the shoulders. He kind of shakes himself a little bit. And he takes stock of his situation, confronts his depression that he's facing, and he seeks God with a renewed intensity. He, he, he shows us in these two psalms really how to pull ourselves out of the nosedive of discouragement that so often we can be in. We might call them the spiritual doldrums. So here's a phrase I want you to remember. I guess if you were to only remember one thing, but you're bright college students, you're going to remember far more than that, right? But the phrase is this. When you're facing discouragement, seek God as your hope and help, no matter how despairing your circumstances are. Let me say that again. When you're facing discouragement, seek God as your hope and help, no matter how despairing your circumstances are. And I want to just point out this morning three simple steps that this psalmist took to battle the discouragement and the depression that he was facing in his life. So if you're still with me, say amen. amen. Let me give you step number one. When you're discouraged, simply recognize it and begin to confront yourself as to why you are facing this discouragement. And that's exactly what the psalmist does. So when you're discouraged, recognize it, begin to confront yourself as to why you are discouraged. The first step to conquering discouragement is actually admitting you are discouraged. Now, this is something I think that's really important for us to recognize. I think, I think we sometimes think that if I am dealing with discouragement or if I'm kind of in these doldrums spiritually, well, then I must be unspiritual. Well, the fact of the matter is, no, you're not unspiritual, you're human. And as human beings, we face the difficulties of the fallenness of the world around us. And as we deal with the fallenness of the world around us, boy, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect us. And if it doesn't affect us, there's probably something wrong with us. But the psalmist here, he readily admits both to himself and to God that he is in despair. Uh, go to Psalm 42, verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Go to verse number 6. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. He's acknowledging this. Uh, verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art, why art thou disquieted within me? 43, verse 5. The same thing. Why art thou disquieted within me? Why am I cast down. Well, that, that Hebrew there for the verb cast down, it means to bow low, to prostrate, um, to lay ourselves low. We, we would say it like this, well, I am, I'm just, man, this is the pits, or man, I'm, I'm really feeling down, or man, I'm, I'm kind of in despair here. And that's what the psalmist is admitting. He says, I am struggling. And I know I trust the Lord and I look to the Lord, but man, I, I, I know what to do here, but just what's going on in my life, I'm, I'm just struggling in this moment. Various symptoms in varying degrees point to discouragement or depression in our lives. Now, we look to the psalmist, and he actually gives us some clues that dial us in into really how he's feeling. For example, we already read it, but he mentions that his countenance is disquieted. 
a discouraged person, they are anxious. They're, they're struggling. They're, the idea of disquieted is their spirit is not quiet. It's not, it's not settled. It's not established. It also talks in 42 verse 3 that he has a, a loss of appetite and just frequent times of, of crying. Have you ever had those moments where, I know maybe the guys don't, but I, I do, I'll admit it, but those moments where you start crying and you're like, why in the world am I crying right now? This is, this is crazy. And the psalmist, he was experiencing that. In verse 4 of Psalm 42, he describes his anguish as a pouring out of his soul. The idea is he felt just emotionally and, and physically drained there. He felt as if he were in the deep in verse number 7 of Psalm 42. The idea is he was feeling overwhelmed by the waves. And it's interesting that Jonah quoted this verse when he was in the great fish in Jonah chapter 2 in verse number 3. The first step is just admitting it. Along these lines, the enemy relentlessly taunts and the psalmist here feels like his bones are being shattered. Have you ever had people that just will not stop coming at you? And man, you're just struggling with that. In verse number 10, he's, he, he talks about it. And he says in verse 10, As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Often, physical symptoms. He had a physical symptom here. He felt like his bones were being crushed. And there's physical symptoms such as headaches, digestive disorders, chronic pain, that all accompany discouragement and, and depression and those things. And he repeatedly describes himself as being in despair. Uh, once again, verse 5 of Psalm 42, verse 6, verse 11, and then in Psalm 43 and verse number 5. Now this is where he gets real raw. The psalmist actually feels, he's not, but he feels this way. He feels abandoned and rejected by God. Go to verse number 9 of Psalm 42. I will say unto God my rocks. He's reminding himself that God is my rock. But then he says, why hast thou forgotten me? Go down to Psalm 43, verse 2. He says, for thou art the God of my strength. Once again, anchoring himself. But then he says, why dost thou cast me off? He says, man, I, I, in this moment, um, I, I know I feel this way. I know it's not a picture of reality, but I just feel very alone and I feel like I'm by myself. Now, you might say, well, he's not very spiritual in this moment. I say he's exactly the opposite. I believe he is spiritual because he's going to the one that can secure him. He is going to the one that can sustain him. I think the unspiritual individuals, what they do is they look to family, they look to friends, they look to escapism, they look all kinds of different ways to bring some type of happiness to their soul. But I hope we all agree this morning that only Jesus can bring satisfaction to a soul. Right? Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Now this is an interesting thing. Discouragement comes in waves to us. And we actually see this pattern in the Psalms. It, it moves in between lament and hope. Lament and hope. Lament and hope. So if you begin, for example, in Psalm 43, verse number 1, the first four verses are lament. He's kind of lamenting his situation. But verse 5, he anchors his hope in God. 
Then from Psalm 42, verse 6 and 7, once again, he's lamenting his situation and the struggle that he's in. But then in verse number 8 is where he anchors his hope to the Lord. Look at verse 8. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. And then you go to verse number 9, and he's lamenting again. And he's, it's kind of the cycle he's going through. Verses 9 and 10, the struggle is real. And then in verse number 11, he anchors his hope to the Lord again. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? He says in verse 11, hope thou in God. And then Psalm 43, same exact thing. Verses 1 and 2, there is lament. But then verses 3 through 5, there is a hope that he finds in God. So I say all that to say this, that it's not kind of a, a, a one and done kind of thing. When you're dealing with discouragement, when you're counseling someone with depression, it's not like, hey, here's your advice, now fix things. Now, a lot of times you gotta come back to it, you gotta circle back to the strength and the song of the Lord and the truth found in God's word, and you're bringing that individual, you're bringing yourself sometimes into those moments, recognizing, no, 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 my hope's in the Lord, my trust is in him, I'm gonna find him as the anchor in the circumstances that I'm going through. It's, life's a roller coaster. You're gonna have ups, you're gonna have downs, but it's what you do in those moments that really define you as a follower of God. The crucial thing is that you are aggressively dealing with where you're at and not just drifting with the circumstances that you have in your life. So step number one, when you're discouraged, recognize it, begin to confront yourself as to why you're discouraged. Step number two, if, you are, if your discouragement stems from circumstances in your life, think biblically about those circumstances. If, if, if what you're going through and how you're feeling stems from the circumstances in your life, you need to really think biblically about those circumstances. So number one under this, here's a question you should ask yourself. Are my circumstances due to known sin on my part? The Bible is clear. The way of a transgressor is what? It's hard. The way of a transgressor is hard. And a lot of times we put ourselves in situations that really are our own making. I think Psalm 32 Psalm 38, Psalm 51 are all psalms by David in which he had the sin with Bathsheba and he was struggling under the weight of that sin. And David's depression in those moments was due to his sin. So if we're aware of disobedience in our life to the Lord, um, what we need to do is we need to confess that, turn from it, and appropriate his cleansing and his forgiveness. And aren't you thankful that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin? Amen. What a blessing that is. And his mercies are new once a week. No, what's it say? New what? And I don't know about you, but I really need that. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Number two underneath this, if I can't change my circumstances, because sometimes that's not possible, or frankly, God wants us to be in those circumstances, how does God want me to change my attitude and my perspective in this? The psalmist here is aggressive in confronting himself. In fact, more than three times he does that to deal with his despair and his despondency and to really calibrate and regain a sense of God's presence in his life. Another question we should ask ourselves under this, is God in control of my situation or not? Now, we all know the answer to that right now, and the answer is what? Well, yes, God is always sovereignly in control. We know that, we believe it, but a lot of times we struggle with that when we're really hurting and in those deep, dark moments of life. And that's why the psalmist here, 
He was like, Lord, have you even forsaken me? Because he was struggling, just absolutely struggling in that moment. So you need to look at your circumstances. There's sin on my part. Does God want to change my attitude, not my circumstances in this? And is God in control? It's easy to doubt or forget the fact that you are overwhelmingly secure in Jesus Christ. And a lot of times we forget that going through trials. Step three from the psalmist this morning is this. When you're discouraged, listen now, your main need is to seek God himself and not relief. Let me say that again. When you're discouraged, your main need is to seek God himself and not just relief. I think a lot of times we go to God for one thing. God, get me out of this. God, rescue me. God, deliver me. This is too hard. Whatever it is. And we just want God to come in almost like, and of course, it's not spiritual to say this, so we would never say this, but almost like a genie in the bottle, right? And God, get me out of this. It's not so much that I want communion with you, but what I really want is I want you to rescue me out of the problems I am and make my life happy and healthy and all of those things. When we're in emotional pain, we should seek Every opportunity to grow in God, not just try to get a quick fix or a quick relief. Though the psalmist was in pain here, he realized, listen now, his real need was God. Now listen, I think we do really well at telling a lost person their greatest need is God. Their greatest need is Jesus Christ as their Savior. But I hope we would all be on the same page this morning that whether you're a lost man or a saved man, your need for God never changes. You absolutely need the Lord. And that is why now we go back to Psalm 42 in verse number one. It's not like there's this deer kind of walking through a beautiful meadow and, and this deer is just kind of walking along and all of a sudden sees a water brook and it's like, oh, this is beautiful. I'm going to take a drink here. That's not the picture the psalmist paints here. The idea is a deer has been running from hunters trying to track it down and trying to kill it and destroy it. Now, I'm a hunter, so, you know, it's a little rough for me right now, but we'll keep going with it. And this deer is running. He's exhausted. He's out of breath and he's struggling. Mouth is dry and, and he sees this water brook. It's water. So he comes to it and he takes a long drink because he knows he's got to keep running. Well, that is the picture the psalmist is painting here in verse 1. He says, as the deer, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O God. I tell you what we need more than anything in our world today is believers that would have a heart, a desire to follow the Lord, to live in communion with Him rather than seeking just to get from God. They would live in deep, real communion and fellowship with Him. A lot of times we want to know about God, but we really don't want to know God. And here the psalmist, he says, Oh, my soul pants after you. Verse number two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So when you're discouraged, your main need is to seek God, not just relief. Well, how do we seek God? Well, the psalmist lays out several things. I'm going to give those to you this morning as well. Number one, seek the person of God. We've already talked about this. I got a little Worked up and excited, so I kind of beat myself to the punch there. But the psalmist's thirst for God 
seems to grow in intensity as you look at the Psalms progression, seems to grow in intensity and, and actually not slacken. And when we're in those moments of struggle, when you're in the doldrums of midterms, right, it should really drive you to the Lord in those moments rather than throwing your hands up and opening up a Ben and Jerry's and drowning your sorrows in Ben and Jerry's. I've done that before. I, it's not good. That's why I got this, right? Yeah. But it's important that we go to God himself. Seek the person of God. Number two, seek the presence of God. That's found in verse number two. He says, my soul thirsteth after God for the living God. He says, I want the presence. When shall I come and appear before God? He says, I want to be in the presence of God. The thirst for God when he is absent is a sure sign that he's a child of God and desires to be with the Lord. So, well, when we're struggling, seek the person of God, seek the presence of God. Then number three, seek the precepts of God. Go to that 43rd Psalm now in verse number three. He says this, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. He says, what I need is your light right now, Lord. What I need is your truth. And what the psalmist is doing here, he's anchoring his circumstances. He's anchoring, and this is really important, he's anchoring his feelings to God's word. And he's allowing God's word to inform his situation rather than his feelings and his circumstances inform his situation. I think as believers, so often, it's hard not to be there. I've, you know, I've done it the wrong way, and it's hard not to. But what we must do, we must fight against our feelings in those moments. Now, not that we should just dismiss them. The psalmist didn't. He brought them to the Lord. But we cannot let them be the ruler of what we're going through. We need to come back to the Word of God, like the psalmist here, and allow the Word of God to inform our response, our heart, and our life. So he sought the person of God, the presence of God, the precepts of God. Next, seek the people. The people of God. God, has, God did not create humanity to live in isolation. In fact, to me, I think the greatest example of communion is actually found in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Even, even just in the existence of God, in his divine attributes, in that moment, he gives us a design of how we are to live. And, of course, we are now image bearers of Jesus Christ, and we, too, are to live in communion, relationship, fellowship, whatever you want to call it, uh, with one another as well. Go to 42, verse number 4. 42 and verse number 4, we, we see this. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude... I went with them to the, what's the next word? House of God. With the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept the holy day. Here the psalmist understood the importance of living in relationship and fellowship, even when he didn't feel like it. You ever have those days where all you want to do is just, you know, go into a room, shut the blinds, turn the lights out, and just kind of be by yourself? Especially when you're kind of in the doldrums, that's kind of a natural response. But that's not what the psalmist instructs us to do here. He says, no, no, what you need to do is lean into your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And you can find the strength and the encouragement in them. So seek the people of God. The psalmist seems isolated in his depression, frankly, which is often the case. We just kind of want to, you know, shrink into ourselves. But he realizes the place of joy where the need of his soul would be met in a corporate worship together with God's people. And so when we're struggling, um, 
a lot of times we just want to avoid people because, frankly, a lot of times when we're struggling, it's people that have hurt us. And we just want to stay away from these individuals. But he realizes that that's not what God's people should do. He went against his feelings and he forced himself to gather with God's people and to seek the Lord. And there's just something about gathering with God's people, corporate worship, that cannot be experienced in individual worship. And so the Christian life, it is not about lone rangers, but it's about togetherness. And I use the term withness. It's a word I kind of made up, but the idea is that we are with, with one another. Yes. So I'm going to land the plane now and we're going to be done. And I want you to go back to these, these, this, I guess, this thread that's woven through Psalm 42 into Psalm 43. Verse 5 again, look at it. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? He says, hope thou in God. Now, if you underline your Bible, here's a word coming up I would like you to underline if you do. For I shall yet praise him for the, what's the next word, guys? Help of his countenance. So he's saying, why am I cast down on my soul? But I'm going to praise him for the help that God offers me. Now notice, in, in the next iterations of this, it actually changes a bit, especially that last phrase. Go down to verse number 11. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. Who is the, what's word, what word does he use here now? Health, he says here, of my countenance and my God. So he moved from help, now he moves to health. Down to Psalm 30, uh, 43, verse number 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the, here it is again, health of my countenance and my God. We talk a lot about mental health today. And certainly I believe that there. People are uh, unhealthy like never before. I, I truly do believe that. But here's my belief. I believe that our world today is looking for that emotional health, that mental health, frankly, in the wrong places. The psalmist here, he was struggling. He was struggling with his mental health. We could put it that way in kind of modern day vernacular. I think it's a fair way to put that. And so in our verse here, in verse 5 of Psalm 42, he goes to the Lord and he finds help in the Lord. And then in the next two iterations of this phrasing, later on through these Psalms, he now talks about how, yes, I went to the Lord for help, but now he says, my health is found in God. I think the song this morning we sang, Near My God to Thee, I can't help but think that God brought that about to be hand in glove. And what the psalmist needed in that moment, he did not need to get out of his circumstances. He didn't need things to change. It was not something that needed to happen to him, but rather the psalmist here, it was someone that he needed to go to and he needed to go to God. Our God is sufficient. Our Savior is will see us through. If you believe that this morning, say amen. amen. So are you going to face struggles? Yes. Are you unspiritual for facing struggles? No, all of us do. But it's what you do in that moment that will make the difference. That will move you from 
spiritually unhealthy, if you will, to spiritual health. And it's by going to God. The psalmist says, as the deer panteth after the water brooks, my soul pants after thee, O God. Could it be this morning that you're just struggling, kind of in the doldrums a little bit spiritually, for various reasons that come at us from all kinds of ways. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Let's just get on our knees before the Lord and say, Lord, I want you, your presence, your power to be my strength, and I want it to be my song during these days. So, Lord, help me not to run away from this, but help me, Lord, to run to you in these moments.